When your dream job isn't your dream job anymore, how do you find a new dream? Hi, welcome to another episode of Business Mindset Mastery. My name's Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and performance coach for business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs, and I'm so glad to have you with me today. Um, This is a question that I think people feel silly and scared to ask sometimes. What if I do want a dream? What if I do want something bigger, bolder than what I'm currently doing, and I have no idea what the heck it is? Am I still a dreamer? Do I still still go after something. I can tell something's missing, but how do I know what I want? A lot of times I get these questions and people feel like this isn't a question they should have, that if they're not happy with what they're doing, they're automatically supposed to know what they're doing next. And it just doesn't always work that way. I know that when I left one of my jobs, the only way I was going to figure out what I needed to do next and what I wanted to do next is if I simply just left because with the current situation immediately in front of me, it was always someone else's crisis. It was always someone else's hard time taking up the airtime. I couldn't figure out my own way. I couldn't figure out what I wanted instead. I just knew that what was in front of me was what I didn't want. I needed time away and room to breathe in order to figure that out. And I think that's where today's listener finds us. So let's just jump into her question. Hi, Heather. I stumbled across an older podcast that you were featured on with Matthew Bivens, Having It All podcast. So much of what you said and have experienced in life resonates with my current story. I'm currently in the social work field, working with young children and families, and much like yourself, I feel like my career path is hitting a dead end. I'm an LMSW, which is a, a form of social work licensing and I'm actively working towards my next licensure, but I'm not even convinced that I want to continue this work. Well, I know that this is my truth, but the thought of that is terrifying. I find myself my I find myself switching from one job to the next and find that no matter what, I'm unfulfilled. I experience the Sunday to Wednesday blues and notice the shift in my mood and happiness on weekends, much like you did. I'm not here to complain about my job. I'm grateful for my experiences and the knowledge I've gained in this field. I've learned so much about others, myself, love, and life. However, I don't feel as if I'm living in my purpose or following my dreams. I don't even know what my dreams are. I felt this way for a little over two years now, and I try to stuff those thoughts and feelings down by telling myself that I can be my own boss one day in private practice, and maybe that will make things better. The truth is that I know that universe slash God is pushing me out of my comfort zone. If I had to settle for a mediocre life, no offense to others in this field, then social work is what I would choose to do in life. But I want more. I want joy, passion, purpose, love, and wealth. And I just don't feel like I can attain these things while not living in my truth. I know this is long and starting to drag. I guess my question is, how do I discover what my dreams are? I feel trapped in this job and field because I don't know where I'm heading or what I want next. Being here is killing me mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. I'm tired of preying on it and practicing patience. Thanks for reading. I appreciate it more than you know. Hi, hi, hi. Oh my goodness, you are a woman after my own soul. And yes, this story so resonates with me. And I think one of the things that really stands out to me is your apology to other people in the social work field when you called it mediocre. 
Because here's the thing, for social workers who are lit up by their lives, who love what they do, it's not mediocre to them. And the same thing with people like me who work with online business owners, I'm completely lit up by what I do, so it's not mediocre to me, but it would be mediocre to other people who are doing it when they want to be doing something else or they wish they could be doing something else. And that's the experience you're talking about here, that at some point in time, your dream job stopped being your dream job. How you got into social work, how you found it, how you chose it, none of that matters. But at some point in time, it's what you thought you wanted to do, and then you've since found out you were wrong. And I know that you want to go to the next thing. I know you want to jump five things ahead and figure out what it is you're really meant to do and who you really want to help and how you really want to serve. I get that, and I'm going to get you there. But the first thing I want you to do is the part that I skipped out on, and I think it was to my own detriment. You have to grieve this. Um, If you're anything like me, I was really self-driven. I was so super confident in my choice that social work and program management were going to be my lifelong passion. I, I picked an agency when I was 22, right out of grad school, and I was convinced that I was going to be there for the rest of my life, which of course sounds so 22, right? <laughs> Now that I say that out loud, I can (laughs) see how naive and uh, silly I was at the time. But I really, honestly, could never have imagined a time in my life where helping kids and family wasn't going to light me up um, and wasn't going to be what I wanted to do forever. And when I started to get the niggling in my head, what you're talking about, your truth, like, oh, maybe there's more. Maybe I'm meant for more. I have to tell you, it broke my heart, like desperately broke my heart. I've told people it's the worst breakup, that no man could ever hurt me as much as realizing my dream job wasn't my dream job. And if you're pushing those thoughts and feelings down, the disappointment about being wrong, thinking you knew your path and now you feel lost, if you don't mourn and grieve and acknowledge the sadness and disappointment that comes with being wrong and wanting more you're never going to be able to clear the cobwebs to figure out what's next because you end up being mad at yourself. You end up feeling dumb that you didn't know and you, you tell yourself all kinds of stories. But we go into fields and passions of study and all of that with a hope and a wish for a better life. And we don't know what we don't know. So at some point in time, you thought that this was going to be your passion, your dream, your business. And now you're finding out that you were wrong. And I can tell you that I made the same mistake that it looks like you're going to walk into. I see that you're moving through your different levels of social work licensure. And I remember when I was in program management and I had the assistant position, And I remember saying, God, I'm miserable. I didn't think I was going to be miserable. And I told myself a story. Maybe it's because I've already been here for eight years and I'm not the program director yet. And all I really want to be is a program director. So maybe once I get that position, I will be happy. 
And then, as you know, the story goes, I got that position. It was my dream job, and I was miserable, and it didn't make me happy, and it wasn't what I wanted. I went into private practice. You heard me just say at the top of the hour, I went into private practice just because I knew I had to get out of that job. I didn't know what I needed to do next, and I knew I had the independent licensure that would allow me to open a private practice, see a couple of clients, get my bearings, and then I was going to figure out what I wanted to do next. I had no idea that my next thing was going to be a private practice. If you're running away to private practice from where you're at, my guess is you're not going to find your passion. I happened to find mine for another 10 years because I realized that I really loved owning my own business. I loved looking at the kinds of clients that I could get the work I could do, tailoring my schedule, seeing the people who weren't mandated clients but admitted to themselves that they needed help, thought I could be the person. And for me, that lasted. But I didn't do it with this intent of, I'm leaving agency work, I'm going to private practice. That was just supposed to be my temporary gig. Before you go into jumping into private practice, I would spend some time really thinking about what that that means. And if you want to talk to me about what it was like for me and how I started, you know, feel free to write back and I will I will gladly do that. I'll spend some time and I can talk to you about the journey and everything that goes into building it. But um, if you're already kind of knowing and seeing the writing on the wall that no, mental health therapy isn't what you want, then I think I would listen to that because starting a business is hard work. Starting a business in private practice, regardless if you're full fee private pay or you accept insurance, it is a lot of work and you can't choose that for yourself with all of the headaches attached if you're not absolutely passionate about helping people, families or couples. Um, So I want you to think about that first. But then I want you to think about before you throw the baby out with the bathwater and go, oh my God, social work isn't for me. I want you to think about what are the parts of social work that aren't working for you? And what are the parts that are? What remains? What are the things that you feel so confident and competent in that you could just keep doing? Is there any part of the work that still lights you up? And if there's not, you kind of know the answer, right? We have to take you on a career path of starting to see what else you like, what other things interest you. But sometimes what happens is we get so disillusioned by pieces of our jobs that we don't like, by the hard parts, the grueling hours, that we lose sight of the parts that we do. And that's what happened for me in my burnout. I kind of forgot that I really did like helping people. I just needed to help a different type of person. So you want to go through that exercise for yourself. And then the next thing, and I know um, I apologize to listeners who've heard this already. I feel like I just said this the other day on a show. Um, But I want you to start to think about what happens if you give yourself permission to want something new, to go after something, even if it doesn't make sense, even if everybody's going to question you. And if you have student debt from your studies and you still haven't paid that off, people are going to be questioning why you're choosing another career path and all of that. But think about the ideas that keep coming to you that you kind of swat away. That, oh, it would be great if I could 
good. And then you go, oh, but I can't. I've committed to social work. Or you've thought about this and you go, oh, but I couldn't. Um, you know, it would, it would be too much of a financial investment. I couldn't do that. Um, what are the ideas, the dreams, the wishes you have for yourself that you just have censored out and you haven't allowed yourself to think about? That's the first place I would start. The other thing I would think about is what are the types of things that you can't stop talking about or thinking about? So if you are a creative and you haven't done something creative in a while, you are going to see creativity everywhere you go. You're going to notice design details. You're going to notice things that people do. You're going to be in homes and notice decorations, or you're going to hear a, a you know, hear an excerpt from a radio show or a podcast, and it's going to resonate with you. So what are the things that light you up that you haven't spent time on? Or what are the things that light you up that you could go on and on and talk all about? What are the, you know, what are the things in life that make that Sunday to Wednesday time bearable? Um, I Because I, I really think a lot of times when people tell me they don't know what their passions are, what's happening is they're automatically stopping themselves at the obstacle. So the example I always give is in my personal life, I have been incredibly moved by nursing professionals. Nurses, nurses have been like just invaluable in my personal life in terms of the care they've provided my husband through his disability, but also me as a caregiver, you know, attending to him at his various hospitalizations and doctor's appointments and things. So if I ever had the thought that, huh, I don't know that this social work, you know, um, mindset consultant, therapy thing is for me anymore. I think I kind of have always wanted to explore nursing because in all honesty, I did. In high school, it was one of the things I had considered for myself, except I wasn't very good at math and science. And everybody, when I mentioned nursing said, well, that's going to be a lot of math and science. I'm not sure that you could handle that. That's why I was never encouraged to be a doctor either. So if I decided, you know, in my 40, you know, my 40 something time that I wanted to learn about nursing, immediately the first thought that comes to mind is, but I know nothing about math and science. And then the next thought comes, who starts a new career at 40? Who goes back to school? Who does this? Why would I want it? Like my husband just finished his medical training. We're finally done that part of our lives. Why would I want to go back to school? And I could come up with obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. I would never get to the place of landing where I say, you know what? I'm really not happy doing what I'm doing, I really think I want to be a nurse because all the obstacles immediately get in the way from me owning my vision, my truth. I don't actually have any sort of goals or aspirations to be a nurse, but it's a good example because I want you to think about what you've ruled out for yourself. Because if you keep stopping at the obstacles, if you had a thought that, well, maybe you would teach college kids or maybe you would go into, you know, some form of life coaching instead or maybe you're going to leave the social work field altogether and go into business or you're going to go into marketing or, you know, human resources or any other variety of fields. If you immediately have that idea and then 
find yourself saying, well, yes, but, or I could, but, or no, I never could because, or that's really not possible because, then you're not ever landing on what it actually is you want because as soon as you think the obstacle, you stop. So what I want you to do is to get crystal clear on what it is you want. If I could just hand it to you and I could tell you that any amount of time studying you would have already given to you, any amount of money you need for the investment, all the support of the family around you and friends or a spouse or anybody near you in your vicinity would just wholeheartedly support your choice to move on, what comes to mind? If I remove every layer, every obstacle, and you just get to like go directly to your dream and you don't have to pass go and you don't have to collect your $200, what is it that you want? And then see in that process what also might come up for you. So if you're getting clear on what you like about social work, what you can't handle about social work, if you're getting really clear on removing the obstacles from what it is you want and you're focusing on the things that you can't stop thinking about, talking about, that if I gave you a topic you could talk about forever about, look at that and see what you come up with. If you're still stuck, and I promise you, I do these exercises with people all the time. I walk them through this exact same thought strategy all the time. And yes, sometimes people still do get stuck. If you've gotten here and you still feel lost as anything, the next thing we got to do and the next thing we have to try is to get you out of your head. You are probably caught in analysis paralysis, so you're sitting and spinning and spinning and sitting. So what we need to do is get you moving. So what I would encourage you to do is try a new physical activity. Um, Go to a new gym if you uh, work out regularly, take a new um, fitness class that you've never heard of, go for a hike. You have to get in your body a little bit because a lot of what happens sometimes is all of our analysis paralysis, all of our doubt, all of our regret gets tied up and stored in our body. And I think sometimes the non-psychobabble version of this is it just kind of blocks our view a little bit. So if you can get yourself moving on a regular basis, doing something new so that you can't get think about anything else because you have to focus on your body. This is something that kickboxing and boxing did for me several years ago when I started doing that. I got so out of my head that it really helped me get crystal clear on the direction I wanted for my life. But if you can go for a walk or a hike or spinning or rowing, I mean, there's so many different examples. I'm sure you can come up with stuff. But if you can take a couple of weekends, trying new physical activities, taking, thinking about this off the table and see what happens when you tune into your body. The next thing, in addition to that, that you could either try next or while you're trying new physical activities, and I know this sounds super dumb and super lame, but it works enough times for my clients that I've decided that like I'm rolling with it anyway. Change your routine. We get stuck thinking the same way because we keep doing the same things, right? Like I am such a creature of habit. This morning I got up right at the dot at 5.45. 
five. I was exercising in front of my TV by 6.20. I was in the shower by 7.15. I was dropping off my husband at 8 o'clock. I was dropping off the dry cleaning, and then I'm back starting my day. That is like my morning routine, Monday through Friday, give or take a dry cleaning trip or two, right? So if I can't get out of my own way, the first thing I'll do is try to mix it up somehow. Because, and that might just mean going for a walk before I go back into the house after dropping my husband off at work. It might mean, um, going to work at a new cafe, doing the computer work from somewhere else, sitting in a park, but getting out of your regular habit or routine. If you have a 40-minute commute, can you get to work a different way? If you have a way that you always do things, can you mix it up? And then if you're paying attention to the change in schedule and changes in what it feels like to do something different, and you just tune into the difference without thinking about, now where do I want this difference to take me? And how am I going to get there? But you just switch it up a little bit. Sometimes it gives you that sensation. And I don't know if you've ever had to write anything. I'm imagining you did. Social work was filled with writing. I didn't take many tests. But if you're like writing a paper and um, you have all these ideas and then suddenly you just hit the wall, so you have to walk away and go back, changing up your routine and schedule is a really good way of doing that. It gets you out of your head. You're out of that habitual way of looking at something. It's that physical way of getting away and then going back to it. Because if you're stuck in analysis paralysis, you're just gonna, you're just gonna have a hard time getting out of your own way. That's why you end up writing to me, right? The next thing I want you to do, and this is probably something you've already done, If you've talked to anybody about it, I would pick your best friends. I would pick your people who have your back, who tell you your hard truth, who sit with you through the fear of change or whatever it is, and I would ask them what they think. Because I remember when I went through this, and I, I after um, after I had my private practice, so I did agency work for 10 years, and then I had my private practice for 10 years, and I was hitting the wall, and I was hitting burnout, and the story I was telling people, I can kind of giggle at myself now, but I was literally saying out loud, I hate people. Like, I don't ever want to help people again. I'd hired a coach, and she was like, well, everyone wants to help people, so of course you're going to want to help people. I was like, oh, no, no but not me. I don't ever want to help people. (laughs) Like, put me in a cubicle, give me some numbers to enter in a computer, and I'm going to be awesome. Thanks. Um, But when you you tell yourself stories of what you can do and what you can't do. When I was telling myself all kinds of stories about leaving, you know, the people business altogether, I I was done with peopling. I wasn't going to be helping people process. I wasn't going to do this. All of the things I'm still doing in a completely new form today. I finally, you know, got to the place of ownership where I was like, okay, I'm not done yet. And then my best friend was like, I knew you weren't done. You just needed to do it differently. And I kept saying like, why didn't you tell me that? And she told me I just wasn't ready to hear it, that I would have just run away from it and that she understood me enough to know that I needed to kind of give myself permission to run away from home a little bit in order to go back. But I do think that 
our friends know these things. Our friends see our talents, our gifts, our strengths, our weaknesses with the lens that we can't. So I would talk to a girlfriend about it. I would say, what do you see me doing? I'm thinking about leaving this field. I'm thinking about starting my career over, which is super scary because, and I know this too, because the licensing that you use, the LC is a little different than it was for me in Massachusetts. Um, I think every state does that licensing different, but I believe the way I'm understanding your letter is that your LCSW is the equivalent of my LICSW, which is the license to practice independently where you can hang your own shingle. And I know that for you, that's the pinnacle of your job. And it is going to feel weird not to want it anymore. And it's going to feel scary to have gotten to the sort of, you know, proverbial top of the social work mountain only to realize you climbed the wrong mountain. The people who have been in your circle, the people who have come to know you on your journey, especially anybody who knew you right when you were starting out and how it's going for you now, will often give you a perspective. Because a lot of times when people get stuck like you are, it's because they haven't given themselves permission to see a different ending to the story because they don't think they should have one. And I hear what you're saying. Like, I want a life of passion. I want to be doing something different, bigger, bolder, but I don't know what the F that is. And what I'm hearing in that is also too, that I don't know if I get to have that. I don't know if this is something I should want. I understand that other people would make the choice who have gotten to the top of this ladder and they would choose to stay. You don't have to. You don't have to make that choice. It's absolutely true. Other people would stay still, stay stuck, stay frozen. You don't want to. You don't know where you want to go. But hopefully through the course of this conversation with me, I've given you some ideas for how you can approach it, new ways of thinking, new ways of responding, so we can get you out of analysis paralysis and into the next stage. The next thing I want to talk to you a little bit about is this idea of what's next. When I left agency work and I went into private practice all over again, I told my, even though I should have learned the last time, all over again, I told myself a story that like, wow, I'm going to be building a business. I could see myself doing this for, you know, forever. Um, I didn't see myself in the same office per se, but I definitely saw myself offering like one-on-one counseling in that way on the long term. It was an easy to run business. I was enjoying it. I didn't perceive an end to it until I started to really hate it. Um, That's going to happen. I don't think we have a culture or a society anymore where people start a job and do it for a million years. My husband was an engineer for the Gillette company for 10 years before he went back to medical school to become a doctor. So, you know, my dad has started and, and moved on from several businesses and he's worked for himself and he's worked for other people. I don't think it's true anymore that at 18, we're supposed to decide what we want to do for the rest of our lives and never change our minds. So what I'd like you to do in this journey, which is super intimidating and super scary, and I probably would have yelled at anybody who told me to do it, but I want you to give yourself permission to just ask yourself what's next. Your next step doesn't have to be your forever job. There might not be such a thing as a forever job, but if you just choose what's next, that will get you from the 
place you currently are to a place that's closer to where you'd like to be in a life you'd like to have, my guess is some of the answers will start to find you. You'll start to give, you'll start to see a path that starts to clear. A door will open, a window will open, and you'll say yes. But it's about looking at the possibilities in front of you and taking a bite out of it and just saying yes. And when opportunities aren't in front of you, but you start to get a sense of which opportunities you wish were in front of you, you can go after it and pursue it. So I hope this start, like helps you, like at least gives you a foundation and a starting ground. I know this question feels so heavy and I know you're probably really burdened by the weight of responsibility for it. But yes, absolutely. As someone who's been there twice, I can tell you, you will absolutely get on the other side of it. And I want you to feel the comfort in the community sense that comes from other listeners who are there too. You are not the only listener of this show who thinks that maybe I want something bigger and has no idea what that is. I get that it's intimidating, but I know you can get on the other side of this. So I hope this helps. Thanks so much for writing to me. I really enjoyed responding to this question. It gives me a little opportunity to go down memory lane and remember where I used to be in my own journey too. So if anybody listening else has a question and you want my two cents on your problems, certainly write in. Let me know. I'd gladly talk it out with you. We can go one-on-one in a co- coaching call too. Um, I haven't had any takers on that in a while. I've had people say yes and chicken out, but nobody's answered me and said, yes, they'd like to do live coaching on a coaching call, but I will always turn that into a podcast episode if you would be so brave and bold as to write in and tell me you'd like that. So you can find me with your question or request for one-on-one podcast coaching at heather at choose to have it all.com. Thanks so much for joining me today. I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.